Well, I, I want to take a quick survey of everybody in here, all right? And, and this is audience participation, so just shout it on out. Uh, what are the things in life that people aspire to that, that other people look at and, and admire about people that they want to have? Right? I know that's a big question, but... Wealth, Wealth yeah. What else? Happiness. Happiness. Yeah, everybody wants to be happy. What's that? Faith. That's a good answer. Oh, fame. Fame is a bad answer, so good job. <laughs> Man, you, you could have just taken credit for that. Like, yeah, I said faith. <laughs> All right, what, what else? What else? Good or bad that people should look up to or shouldn't? Either way, what do people look up to? I, kindness. You're hearing a whole bunch. <laughs> Healthy, yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Wisdom, Wisdom. ooh, that's a good one. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. Let's, let's talk, okay, so now let's talk about church. What makes somebody, now not necessarily the right answer, but what do people look at and say like, that person's a really good Christian, right? What are the qualities that people look at and say, that's, that's a good Christian right there? <laughs> Attendance. I heard blue jeans. <laughs> Knowledge of the scripture. Knowledge of the scripture, yeah. E- example of being Christ-like, yeah. Kindness. Kindness, generosity. Love. Oh, that's a good answer. You cheated, didn't you? <laughs> you'll, you'll see what I mean in a minute. Serving, yeah. Giving. Giving. Love to the Lord. Very loud and clear up there. I don't know where that came from, but. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> just, it was just echoing around the room. It sounded like the voice of God. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, we, we could say, I mean, I, I think uh, in the Lutheran church, it sounds like being on at least 10 committees is one of those things, right? Yeah, we like to do committees around here. Well, th- there's a lot of things that we look at as like admirable traits or like things that we want in our lives, right? And not all of them are good. We know that, right? Not all of them are worthwhile. Some of them are more wholesome than others, right? There's, there's things that, that people look at with other people that they, that they aspire to. They want wealth. They want money. They want fame. They want success. They want a great job, right? And there are things even in the church that we look at that maybe even can give you status, that like maybe you even do it for for the wrong reasons, like even so people look at you and go like, wow, that's a real Christian right there, right? I mean, or, or even if you're not going for it, that, that kind of give you that status, don't they? Give you recognition from people. Well, we're looking at this passage from the Bible today that basically says even the good things that you guys just mentioned, even the good things that we just talked about, if you don't have love, they just sound like noise, they aren't worth anything, even the good things. So we're, we're in this series called The Resurrected Life. And this is a series after Easter where, you know, Easter was not that long ago and we talked about that Jesus has risen from the dead and we celebrated that fact, right? That we believe Jesus rose from the dead and he's who we follow. And basically this series has been asking the question like, okay, so what? Like if, if we follow a guy that actually rose from the dead, 
Like, shouldn't that change, you know, what's different? What changes in, in our lives, right? Doesn't following Jesus do something to us, right? Doesn't it change us in some way, right? And so that's what this series has been about. We've been looking at this letter called 1 Corinthians, and it was written almost 2,000 years ago by a guy named Paul, and he was writing this to some Christians that lived in the ancient Greek city of Corinth. And these people had issues. I'll tell you what, they, if, if you haven't been paying attention for this sermon series, like, there is a lot of messed up stuff happening, all kinds of issues. They, this is one of the longest letters Paul wrote that we still have today. He actually wrote them two letters, and they're both pretty long. So they had some issues, right? Um, but this morning, we're going to look at chapter 13. And here's what Paul says after, after talking, addressing all of these problems they're having. After addressing this and that and all the issues going on, he gets to this point and he kind of sums it up and he says, here's what you need to start focusing on, and here are some things you need to stop focusing on, right? So, so yeah, we, you already heard it this morning, but if you don't mind me reading it again. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now hold on a second. Out of all those things I just read, were any of those bad things? No, those were all good. Right? And these were the things that when you read 1 Corinthians, you start to realize these were the things that these people were obsessed with. Like, these were the things that they prized, that they, they looked at as, like, that's what gives you status, that's what gives you value as a person, that's the mark of, like, a true, like, a good Christian, right? Those are the things that they looked up to and aspired to, right? Those, those were their, their, the way that they measured people, right, were by those things. And they're good things, right? I mean, like, they wanted, they wanted these, these spiritual experiences. They wanted to, like, when they're, when they're at church worshiping God, you know, for God to just, like, do these miraculous things and speak through them in, in incredible ways, right? For the Holy Spirit to do miracles and supernatural things with them, right? They wanted, they wanted um, this knowledge. They were obsessed with, like, wisdom and knowledge, and they wanted to understand all these mysteries that mere mortals could never comprehend, right? They're, they're obsessed with that. They wanted wisdom and knowledge, and, and Paul says, all of that, like all of that stuff, like if you do that and you don't love the person sitting next to you right now, you don't love the people in your life, you don't show love to people in your life, he says, all that stuff is worthless. It's just noise. You're nothing. You think that gives you status, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. He says, even, even if I gave, we can sympathize with this, even if I gave all that I have to the poor, right? And I died a martyr's death, and I handed my body over willingly and let them kill me and whatever, right? Like he says, even if I did that, if I didn't do it out of love, if I didn't do it in a loving way, if I don't have love for the people around me, even something as radical as that, man, that's worthless. You're not gaining anything. You don't have anything to brag about by doing that, right? This is, this is tough. Now, now I got to say, like, if reading that text doesn't make you a little bit uncomfortable, I don't think you were listening, right? I was telling somebody, somebody out there just a minute ago in the first service after I gave this message, it's like I kept saying things, and I was like, oh, man, oh, man. Like, like it, it, throughout the whole sermon, I was like, man, I don't do that at all. Oh, like, 
that's a problem. You know, it's very convicting just for me even just to say this stuff. Right? But Paul says, if you don't have love, none of this matters. Now, what does Paul mean when he says love? That's an important question to ask. Because he, we, we use the word love in a lot of different ways, don't we? Right? It's Mother's Day, so we're all talking about how we love our mothers. Right? I also love pizza. You know? You know, I love my mom more than pizza, but I mean, sometimes it's a little closer than it should be. Right? <laughs> right? Uh, we, we use that word in a lot of ways. You might, you might say you love your mother, and you might say you love your mother-in-law, but for some of you, what you mean when you say that is not quite the same thing, am I right? I'm not talking about me at all. I actually do love my mother-in-law, but even, I, I don't think she's going to hear this, and I'm still saying that, okay? I mean it. But, right? right? We can use the love even with people. We can say we love one person, and we can also tell another person we love them, and we might not really mean it as much with one person to the other. We mean so many different things when we use the word, Right? We, we think of love sometimes as just a feeling, right? Like when you're in love, for example, right? And you just want to be together all the time. You can't stand being apart and you want to share everything together, right? Now, those, those of you who have been married for a while, how long does that last? Yeah. Don't actually say, all right, or you'll get in trouble. Forever. Forever. <laughs> That's the right answer. There you go. Somebody's getting points over there. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, love is, is, it has to be more than just feelings because feelings are so fleeting, right? I mean, you're fickle. You, ch- you change your feelings all the time, right? Now, some of you are like robots and you don't have feelings, I know. But like, even whatever feelings you have, like we change, our moods change all the time, right? Some of us more than others, but all of us, like our moods change all the time throughout the day even, right? And so to feelings of love, if love is just a feeling, then it's like, you can't control how much you love somebody. Like, then it's just, it just comes and goes whenever it feels like it, right? So love is more than just a feeling. Here's what Paul means when he talks about love. He, he actually defines this. And you've probably, if, if you're not very familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard this verse, it, these verses, because you've probably heard it in a wedding. Here's what he means when he says love. He says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, right? He says, this is what love is, and this is what love isn't. When, he, when he's saying that love is like that important, that all these other good things are worthless without it, this is what he's talking about. Right? Notice, notice that this is not a feeling. Notice that this is a very active and intentional kind of love. This is a love that you choose. This is a love that's defined not by how you feel, but by what you do, regardless of how you feel, right? So he, he says love is, is patient. We know what patience is, right? Patience is when is that person who's driving you crazy, right? Could be your spouse or your, now don't point at anybody, but like, could be your spouse, could be your kids. I say don't point at everybody. Now everybody's pointing. <laughs> but it could be your kids, it could be your neighbor, could be your coworker, could be somebody at school. The people who drive you crazy. To live a life of love means that you give them a second chance. 
It means that you don't lose your temper with them. It means that you, you, to some extent, you just put up with them. You just tolerate them, right? It means that you allow them to be imperfect and that your love for them is not based on how they treat you. It's just pure love, right, that, that expects nothing in return. Love is patient. Love is also kind, he says, right? Let love is, is, is treating people well regardless of whether they treat you well, right? Love is not transactional. It is treating other people right, doing right by other people, right? Love is when you're driving along and some idiot's going like 150 miles an hour weaving through traffic and they cut you off and you restrain your fingers, right? Love is also not being that guy going back and forth and driving around like that, right? Love is when you're at a restaurant and they get your order wrong, and you don't chew out the waiter, right? Now, maybe you, maybe you send it back and say, hold on, I, this isn't what I ordered, but you do it in a kind way and not a rude way, right? You don't yell at them or chew them out, you know, the person working for minimum wage there, right? Love is kind. Love, here's some things love isn't, that love doesn't do. Love is, does not envy. Okay, so that person whose life is so much better than yours and they don't appreciate it, that they have no idea how hard it is for you, right? They have no idea how good they have it. That person, you know who I'm talking about, right? Again, don't point. That person, to follow Jesus means you don't get to hate them anymore, right? As much as you may want what they have, that person who has, who has the job you want, the house you want, the car you want, that person who has the body you want, who has the looks you want, right? Who has the brains you want, the personality you want, that person who has the family you want, the marriage you want, the friends you want, right? The person who has everything that you want to follow Jesus means to love everybody, and to love everybody means not to resent that person for having things that you don't have. Ooh, that's tough. But that's what real love is. It's not dependent on, on you know, I, I get to choose who I love and who I don't. Love loves everybody, right? That's true love. Love does not boast and it's not proud, Right? So to love people, to follow Jesus means to realize that I'm not the center of the universe, that not everything revolves around me, that in my, in my life I'm not just out to get what I want and advance myself and get things for myself. I'm actually concerned about other people and serving other people, helping other people, right? I'm, I'm thinking about other people and I'm not just trying to like make myself look good, right? Give honor and respect to others. Love is not rude. That means that love is what you say and the way you say it and the way it comes across, not just what you meant to say, right? Love is what you do and the way it affects people, not just what you meant to do, right? Love is not just intention. Love is the end result. Love is the action. Now, you, you can't control how people perceive things sometimes. You can't, uh, you can't control how other people react to you. But you can control what you do, right? And to love somebody is to do what you can to always communicate love and to not let that love get lost in translation, right? Right? And so that love means to not be rude. Love, love means that all the rules that apply to everyone else also apply to you. All the expectations that you put on other people, applying those to yourselves too, right? Love is not self-seeking. Again, it's not about me. It's not about what I get out of it. It's not a transactional relationship. It's not a conditional thing. It, love is not something that, well, I love you because you love me. Love is, I love you, period. 
And if you love me back, boy, that would be great. But like, I'm not in control of that. Either way, I love you no matter what. That's what real love is. It's not self-seeking. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get out of the relationship. Right? Love is not easily angered. It's not easily provoked. Okay, that person who's really good at pushing your buttons, right? Maybe they're sitting next to you or they're going to be in the car with you on the way home. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about? That person, that person who gets you riled up. To love them is to be patient with them. To love them when somebody's picking a fight, when somebody's trying to make you angry, when somebody's trying to instigate something, to love them means you don't play their game. You don't stoop to their level, right? You, you rise above it, right? To, love does not keep a record of wrongs. Ooh, this is tough. How many of you, uh, don't raise your hands, don't point. How many of you, maybe with your spouse, you get in an argument and what comes out? Well, you did this and you did this and you did this. And it's like they have this whole like warehouse filled with ammunition, right? Of, of all the things you've ever done wrong that they can throw out at you and get you and win the fight, win the argument, right? Love doesn't do that. Love, love is when, when somebody wrongs you and your tendency would be to, to keep that in mind and, and think about how you're going to get them back, right? To think about how you could get your revenge on them. Maybe even, maybe even plotting it out or maybe even like fantasizing about, oh, if I had my way, I, I would do this to them and I would do this and then they would see and then they, see how they like it, right? Love doesn't do that. To follow Jesus means you don't do that kind of thing, right? Lo- love is, is slow to anger. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Love forgives. Love also, he says, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So here's the thing too, like, love doesn't pretend that bad things are okay. Love doesn't celebrate bad things as if they were actually good things. Love calls it like it is. To love someone means to acknowledge things for what they are. Not to delight in evil, but to rejoice in the truth. And to say, here's the truth of the matter. Now, to love someone is to do that in a kind way and not a rude way, right? In a patient way, in a, in, in a non-self-seeking way. All these other things apply, but there's that aspect of it that to love somebody means to speak the truth to them and not to play along and pretend that what they're doing is fine because you don't want to start a fight. Or to, to you know, when somebody is celebrating something evil and calling it good, to love them is not to call it good with them and celebrate it with them. Or this word evil could be translated injustice. To love someone, to love your neighbor means that we don't ignore injustice when it happens. We call it out and we deal with it because it's not okay. That's what love does. Love calls out things that are evil, calls out injustice and says, that's not okay. And love also forgives and doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It's both. It's not either or. It's both. Love always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is always looking out for others. Love is always trusting. Relationships are, rely on trust. There has to be trust. Relationships never give up on the other person. They never, love never gives up its optimism. Love always sticks it out and does not give up on people. No matter how difficult it gets, no matter how difficult they make it for you. To love someone is to stick it out and to not give up. And that's what love is. That's what Paul means when he says, all right, so let's put this back in perspective. Paul said, like everything he just said, and as difficult as that is, 
When he just said that none of that other stuff matters if there isn't love, that's the standard he's talking about. That's what he means when he says love. I don't know about you, but that's a really high standard. That's like, I don't do that, right? And I get paid to do it, right? You guys pay me to do it, right? No, I mean, love, love is, a, is a high standard, and we can't water that down. Like, that's what we signed up for. If you follow Jesus, like, that's what you signed up to do. You signed up to say, I'm going to love people that way. Now, now, that's a high standard. So, like, how can Paul ask us to do that? Is that realistic? Well, let me, let me say two things about that. For one thing, Paul explains why he thinks love is such a big deal. Here's what he says. He goes on in verse 8. He says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Right, so what Paul is referring to here, what, what all, of, all of you who follow Jesus in this room, I'm sure you know all about how, how we await the day when Jesus is going to return to earth and when God is going to make everything that is wrong with the world, he's going to fix it, he's going to make it right. Right, all the death and evil and violence and injustice and all the suffering and the sickness and everything, everything that's wrong with the world, God one day is going to fix it all. Right? God is going to fix it all. And when he does that, basically those of us who have decided in, in life that we, are, that we want to be on God's team, we will be on God's team and we will be with him forever. And those of us who decide in this life that we want nothing to do with God, well, God's not going to force you. You're going to get to have nothing to do with God for all eternity. Right? That's, that's what we believe as Christians. That's the, we await that day, right? And that's why, that's why we want people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus because we've experienced the new life he gives us and we await for the day when he's going to make the world better and we don't want anybody to miss out on that, right? And Paul is making a reference to that and he's saying, let's do a thought experiment here. He's like, of all the things, you know, like of all the good things you could do, the good things in life, the things that matter, how many of them are going to last into eternity like that? I mean, because we can think about, we, you know, you hear stories about, like, somebody's on their deathbed, they're never, they're never saying, like, man, I wish I spent more time at work, I wish I had a nicer car, I wish I, you know, I, I, I wish I had uh, paid less in taxes, you know, right? It's like, that's not the stuff you think about. I, I mean, that's the stuff we think about when we're alive, but not when death is, is knocking at our door. What do we think about? We think about relationships, we think about people. Right? We think, I wish I had done things that really matter. I wish I had spent more of my time doing things that really matter. The more we're aware of death creeping up on us, that's what we think about. Well, it goes, Paul goes a step further. And he says, think, think beyond just when you die. Think about eternity. Think about when, when everything changes and when God fixes everything that's wrong in the world. What's still going to be there at that point? I mean, because like these supernatural experiences the Corinthians wanted, if you're with God... For all eternity, like with him face to face, what do you need those for? It's like every day's a miracle. Every moment's a miracle, right? Those won't be all that impressive anymore. 
right? Or, or, or think about like knowledge and wisdom. It's like he's saying like, man, all the stuff, if you knew everything there was to know right now, you would still, compared to that day, you would still be like a kid that you tell them like, well, you'll understand when you're older, right? Like there's stuff you don't get as a kid that as you get older, you start to understand. And then you think you got it all figured out and older adults still tell you, oh, you have no idea. And then you get to their age and you realize it just keeps going like that, right? Or, or, or he says it's like looking in a mirror and, and like back then they didn't have like clean glass mirrors like we had. This was metal, like probably brass, like some shiny metal that you're looking at your reflection in and it's not very clear, it's not a very good image. You're not getting a good perception of reality. You're just kind of getting a blurry image of it. He's saying if you knew everything that, that you could know here on earth, that would still just be like a blurry image of reality. That would still be like you're still just a kid and someday you'll be older and you'll understand. We're so limited. He says because knowledge is so limited right now and, and the knowledge that we have won't mean much when we get there, right? I mean, it's, it's worth something, but like what we'll know then is so much greater. He says, but there's one thing that will last and that's love. Because when we're with God for all eternity, is love still going to be there? Yeah, you bet it is. It's going to be more there than it was before, right? Than it is here in our lives right now, right? So that's why Paul says love is so important. And there's another factor here. So you might be hearing this and you might be asking, I mean, this is a lot. Like, how can, how can God ask that standard of me? I could never live up to that. And the answer to that is, oh yeah, God knows. The reason God asks this of you is because it's what he already has given to you. This is how God has already loved you. Just like in in 1 John 4, he writes that, that, that we know what love is because God showed us love through Jesus, right? And that's how we even know what love means, right? Jesus came to earth. He showed compassion to people. He gave people hope. He gave them good news. He healed people. And then he died for us. For, for our shortcomings, for the evil that we create, he died for us and to make us clean. And then he rose from the dead to conquer death so that we could rise from the dead and conquer death too. If God did that for you, I mean, for one thing, who are you to hold back love from anybody? Right? Who am, who am I if God loved me that much? Me? Seriously? Like, if God loved me that much then there's nobody that doesn't deserve love from me, right? Or more, more like I don't deserve to withhold love. That other person might not deserve my love, but I don't deserve to keep it from them, right? So there's that obligation, but there's also the reality that because of what Jesus did for us, even when we fail on this, this is not like the rules that if you slip up, then God's done with you and he throws you away. No, because he loves you. He's patient, He's forgiving. When we, when we come and ask for forgiveness, he keeps no record of our wrongs. God loves us just the way that Paul describes here. And even when we fall short, his love is still there for us and we can still come to him and he will forgive us when we ask for it. So our question this morning is, all right, out of that list of really, really difficult things, where, where do you need to grow? I mean, it, who, who are you not loving very well? Maybe you're thinking of a coworker as, as you're hearing this. Maybe God is, is speaking to you and moving in you and showing you like, 
yeah, you know, the way you talked to your coworker this week was not very great, was not very loving, didn't represent me very well. Yeah, the, the way that your relationship with your spouse, you really need to talk things out and, and, and work this out because this is a problem, right? You're, the way you're treating your kids, the way you're getting along with your, with your family, whatever it may be, who's, who are the people in your life that maybe you need to go back and apologize and talk things out? Maybe you need to change some things, right? Maybe there are certain aspects of love that you've just been kind of naive about, that you've been doing like a watered-down version of love. Maybe, maybe you understand love is important, but like you really haven't been acting like it. Maybe you've been, the relationships with people have been a lower priority to you than other things. Whatever your deal is, whatever the situation you find yourself in, the situation I find myself in, the answer is to understand that God loves us unconditionally, just like Paul describes here. And then to say, if God loves me that way, who can I show that love to today? Who do I get to show that love to today? So if, if you're somebody that, that maybe you're thinking about this and, and you're thinking, I've got some room to grow or whatever, I want you to know I'm going to be up here after the service and I would love to just pray, pray with you, talk with you, whatever, whatever you need. Just listen if you just need somebody to talk to. Um, if, you're, if you don't follow Jesus and you want to talk about Jesus, or, or really anything. I'm up here. Again, if, if there's anything you want to talk about or I can pray for you for, I'm up here. I'm available, all right? But we should ask, do we understand how much God loves each of us in this room? And do we understand that he loves all the people around us? And do we understand that if he loves me and he loves them, I should love them too? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody in this room and I just ask that you would transform us with your love, that you would move in us, that you'd help us to know you and seek you. God, I pray that you would help us to see how much you love us, and that would just overflow into the people around us. God, I pray that whatever you're putting on people's hearts right now, whatever ways that you're tugging at people right now, I pray that they would respond to that, that they would listen to you, that they would follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.